This is Wealth Builders, presented by Staten Walsh, a show designed to pull back the curtain of the financial industry and bring true transparency to the forefront of conversation. On the show, we cover topics like financial education, current events, and interview business leaders and industry experts with the ultimate goal of helping listeners discover their own path to financial independence. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Wealth Builders. I'm Devin Walsh and this is my business partner Ryan Staten. We are the managing partner of Staten Walsh. And this week's episode, we are super excited to be talking about our story, why we started Staten Walsh. It's uh Ryan, it's, it's been a, it's been a wild ride uh, from that day in 2013 at our foreign boss's house, the company we started at to you know, going on this crazy adventure, starting this business during this pandemic and everything in between. So I'm um, really excited to bring you all kind of our story and the reasons we wanted to start this business, uh, kind of disrupt the financial planet industry is really what our goal was and bring true transparency and clarity to the masses. So Ryan, talk to us a little bit more about kind of what we've went through and kind of how we started and how we got to where we are today. I like that, uh, that opening. I'm really excited to talk about myself today now um we're we're uh no this is something obviously we're passionate about and i would say that for this particular episode this is kind of like our kickoff for um our entrepreneur or our business owner series obviously we're business owners ourselves but um part of this show we're going to be interviewing other business leaders other owners of businesses um here with us in baltimore but also nationally you know we have some some great guests lined up. So this is just kind of the kickoff to that and the, the format of what that's going to be like. But to, to answer your question about our story, I mean, back in, I guess we met in 2013 um, at a firm where we worked together initially. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. I think one of the nice things about that office was that there was a ton of younger people, which I think it had a good energy. We had some pretty good camaraderie there. Um, and so that that really helped kick off, I think, a journey that has certainly not been easy. Um, it has been something that's been extremely difficult for a lot of different reasons. Um, and ultimately, you know, people have come and, and gone in the industry and and, you know, we're still alive and kicking. Thank you. know, Knock on wood. And uh, even with a pandemic and everything going on, you know, our business is still thriving, which you know we're, we're very blessed to say. Um, but there's a lot that we do, we feel like is different. You know, the whole idea you mentioned disrupting the industry, that's always something from the day that we thought about working together in any capacity, there's always that, that thought process or that conversation about how can we be different? Now, how can we do it differently? How can we be against the grain? We work in an industry that while it's been around for hundreds of years, you know, when you lump in the insurance industry, you know, there are some company insurance companies out there that have been around for 150 plus years. Um, and that's kind of how we got our start working for a company like that. And you learn a lot of really good things in those environments. And you learn some things that, you know, you kind of, as being the younger guys around, we're like, you know, maybe that we could do this a little differently. You know, maybe, maybe there's something better that we can be doing or, you know, try to change or get ahead of the curve instead of just kind of adapting 
as things went along. And so I think that was the original birth of this whole idea. State and Walsh wasn't a, a necessarily initially our our end goal. It just kind of came out of years of conversations and talking and trying to figure out the best way to do it. And ultimately what ends up happening is when you work in organizations, you have a couple of different options. You know, for anyone who's an employee out there that is ha- has these thoughts, um, you can present an idea to your organization and they're either going to love it and try to see how they can make it work or they're going to reject it and say that we're not going to do that. So you have a decision to make at that point. It's, you know, do we continue on the path that we're on or do we believe so much in that idea or that philosophy that we're willing to take a risk and step out on our own and do it? And, you know, that's a decision that every business owner and every person employees to have to make in their life. And that's one that we made. And uh, I think we've been better for it. Uh, It wasn't always easy, of course, but um, global pandemic obviously didn't help either. So, um, did not do that in the business plan. No, we did not. No business. It it definitely shifted our focus to business continuity in a different kind of way. Um, and I think that's helped us to be completely fair. Um, I think that as strange as it sounds starting, you know, the business was already established. We had already been doing this for a while, but kind of starting your own business, just before we did it, you know, a few months prior, four, you know, four or five months prior to the pandemic really starting um, with shutdowns, at least. Um, we learned a lot about, you know, getting something up and running. And then we also learned a lot about how things out of your control can take away from what you're trying to do. And then you immediately have to adapt and pivot. And so we, we got a lot of really good life lessons up front. Um, and again, I, I, I'm thankful for that personally. I think that it, it really helped us. And now we're prepared that for the next, you know, hopefully 30, 40, 50 plus years that our company will be able to thrive and survive in, in any environment. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Um, it's almost a blessing in disguise. We were really able to really focus on how we wanted the client experience to be. I think we had maybe a little bit more time, you know, doing all the Zoom meetings rather than driving an hour to meet in or going to the office. There was all that time in between really allowed us to spend the extra time on the business and what does our client experience want to be like? So let's talk a little more about our process um, and one of the reasons that, like, you know, how we disrupt the industry. I know our tagline is financial clarity through transparency. Transparency is the base of absolutely everything we do in this, in this practice and yeah. always obviously putting the client first. Let's talk a little more about our process and what transparency truly means to us, what that experience really is, whether it's an individual or a business owner we're working with. What does that experience look like when they're working with State and Walsh? Yeah, so I mean, transparency is ultimately the currency of trust in any relationship that you have. I mean, when you're fully transparent, people know that, they can feel that. I think it just builds a more trusting relationship. And, And, you know, we work in an environment where we're dealing with money. I mean, people's personal finances and businesses on, at a, a corporate level, we deal with some, some financial advice as well. And so when you're doing that, money is always a sensitive topic. It's one that people are very passionate about, both positively and negatively. Um, and so we, we have to toe a very, uh, a very thin line when we're, when we're working with people. And there's a lot of trust that goes into that relationship. And so when you're doing that, I mean, it was only logical for us. I think it's always been logical that transparency is important. 
the way that we're doing it is a little bit different. I think we're taking, you know, there's always a regulatory requirement in our business to be transparent to a certain point or a level. But usually that that level of transparency is buried in disclosures and legalese. And, you know, we always look at it from the consumer's point of view. If I was a client and someone handed me that stack of paperwork, would I actually read through it line by line before I signed it? The answer for most people, I mean, even for me, the answer would be no. And I'm a pretty big stickler for catches and things. I'm, I'm naturally a skeptic, you know, full disclosure. So even for me, I don't know that I would read through all that and crunch numbers and figure out what am I paying? How am I paying? How's this person compensated? And, uh, and those were things that we were like, there's got to be a way to make this easier. And so regulatory um, agencies have been trying for years to kind of move that needle. And they've been doing it, but slowly. We just felt like there was a different way where we could just get right to the point and say, look, here's how we get paid. Here's who you pay. Here's who we pay. Here's all the parties involved in this transaction, which we should all be doing anyway. And I'll be honest, there are a lot of advisors out there that do. Um, We're just more committed to, I believe, and I can't speak for everyone, but in our practice, we're very committed to making sure that there's no there's no catch. There's no hidden hidden numbers. It's all out there in plain sight. Anytime a client asks, we're going to answer the question, you know, whether we make a lot or a little doesn't really matter to us. And and we really want to remove the objection of the only reason you're making these recommendations is because they make you money. Um, We have a model. We've built a process around. There's always going to be a way for us to make money because we're a business, obviously. And so that's, you know, that's part of running a business is obviously making money. But um, we give the client the opportunity to choose how they want us to be compensated. So that's a really big piece of our process. Uh, I'd say the other piece too, is that when you work at a large firm, and this isn't a knock on anywhere that we've worked or any other firms that are out there, but when you're managing and training thousands and thousands of people, you have to have a standardized process. The problem with that is that not everyone's financial life is standardized in the same way. So taking everyone through a canned process doesn't always work. There's some customization that has to occur. And so our process is designed around full transparency and full customization. And so what we mean by that is we really dig down deep to figure out who you are as an individual and how can we take those individual traits that are important to you and make a process that's easily digestible, but also enjoyable, right? Like we don't want Um, we don't want financial planning to feel like an exercise that's painful. There are going to be parts of the process that may be that way, but we look at it more like going to the gym for a workout. The first couple of weeks is going to be a little rough. You're going to have to get into a routine. You're going to be a little sore. Beyond that, you're going to start to really feel good about it. And that's what we want. We want you to, to kind of maintain that consistency and feel good about the process throughout. And so the only way we can do that is know, we have to know our client on a deeper level. Number one. And number two, we have to make sure that we're flexible in the way that we want to conduct or that we're going to conduct business with them. Because ultimately, it's not my money. It's not your money. It's theirs. Uh, And so we we're conscious of that. And that, again, goes back to our philosophy of if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, how would we how would we want to be treated? And so they sound like simple concepts, but sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. And we just felt like if we can piece all of these really good things together that we've learned throughout our time in the industry, we could make a really strong process that I think speaks to people on all over the spectrum. And we talk about it all the time. 
we have clients in their mid twenties and we have a client that's in their mid nineties and everywhere in between. So our process can definitely work regardless of generation, you know, willing to adopt technology, whatever, you know, whatever other objection you want to come up with, you know, there is a way to do it. It's just a question of having resources, offering them and letting people use what they want to use to their advantage. And, you know, and remove some of the other parts if they're if they're not interested in that. And that that's the customization piece. Now, I think you one thing I kind of want to uh, go back on when you talk about really getting to know our clients. It's it's, it's funny one, one the, when we send out we have a uh, questionnaire we send out after our first meeting all our clients, and the first questions aren't how much money you make, what's your job, or anything financial. It's what's your favorite food, who's your favorite band, what's your favorite play. Uh, what's your what's your uh, wedding anniversary? And I think it, it, people look at that and they come back like, "What? We weren't expecting those questions, but we truly want to know who our clients are because sure. we're on the whole experience once again uh, on birthdays. You know, you know, we in the past we've donated money to people's favorite charities, and we we want to know that we want to know what their favorite sports are. So if we're talking to them, they're big Orioles fan. I think that kind of stuff just kind of factors into the whole experience. Uh, sure. Very very important. Experience is everything. In today's world, technology has changed experiences of people where convenience is a bigger, for some services or some service-based businesses, people are more concerned with convenience and less about service. But I think people still inherently want that. When we're talking about something as personal as is managing finances and money, which is an emotional conversation, it's an emotional process, there has to be a little bit of human touch involved there just to make sure that um, that, you know, obviously we're doing a good job, but also that we're being impactful and that we actually, you know, it's a part of it is letting people know that we do care. You know, we're human beings too. We're not just here to be bean counters, number crunchers and say, save this for this long, earn this, you're good to go. I mean, that's, that's an impersonal process. We want to be, we want it to be personal. We want it to be customizable again. And, you know, all of those pieces, we really mesh together. Behavior is a huge part of it, too. One of the reasons we ask those questions, as well as some other follow-up questions, is that most people's financial success is directly hinged on their behavior around money and nothing else. It has nothing to, It has less to do with market performance and more to do with how do you participate in the market, for example. So making good or bad emotional decisions with your money, spending too much, too little, saving the wrong way, you know, investing emotionally. Um, you know, moving money in and out of the market. These are all factors that there've been tons of studies out there that that will attribute what a, what uh, causes investor success in you know, in a good way. Um, and so we we've incorporated that into our process. We use some great technology to help assist with that. But ultimately, it be, it comes down to the human element. I mean, that's the most important piece of our process is the human element and. Some of the other pieces, products, strategies, all those other things out there, um, you know, we don't manufacture those. We just find the best ones for a particular situation and we help clients implement. Everything in between comes down to our personal relationship and us really understanding what your goals, dreams are, how you behave or how you react to certain situations, whether it's investing or just your general spending patterns or th- things like that, where they get talked about, but not as not on a deep enough level that I think there's a mutual understanding of how the process could work. So that's a big piece of our process. We're very big and very forward thinking when it comes to behavioral finance. Uh, and that's something else in our process that 
um, that we've really beefed up on and made sure that we spend a lot of time focusing on that because that's where we find, you know, clients experience the most success. Yeah, exactly. And the behavioral um, finance and seeing how people really react to market situations goes to the long for the customization you talked about. Um, a lot of times you have a, a 20 or 30 something come talk to us and say, you know, do I have to be aggressive? And is that what's is that what I'm supposed to do? And we'll take them through our uh, personalized risk risk questionnaire. Yeah. And it might not be as risky as they thought they were. And, and they're like, is that bad? No, of course not. Everybody's different. Everybody has a completely different way to think about money. Um, sure. So I think it's really important too. And when talking about customizing how they engage us, we really have four different ways. People always ask, well, what's your minimum? It's not necessarily about minimal. There's ways that we can really service anybody, whether it's a monthly fee, whether it's the traditional assets under management model, whether it's an hourly plan fee, uh, we have a business engagement, so all kinds of stuff. So don't think that just because you don't have a million dollars in the bank, there's not somebody out there that you can uh, contact for help. I think it's important to know that there's many different yeah. ways, not just us, but mostly other advisors too. Um, just find the right fit for you. Yeah, there's tons of resources and technology. Another piece of that has to do with how people consume information. That's why the behavioral aspect is so important. You know, five years ago, we talk about this all the time. Five years ago, the way that business was conducted is completely, complete 180 from then until now. I mean, you know, DocuSign, e-sign, e-delivering documents, you know, disclosures, things move quicker. And that's just the nature of the world that we live in. That's not just in our business, that's in all business. And so you have to be able to move with that. And so um, that's been a big piece of our process and adapting to the world. Um, but also, you know, making sure that there's resources available to people where they can consume information in real time. And so that's a piece of our technology package that we offer um, there. You know, you mentioned you know, kind of the subscription based financial planning model, which is becoming more relevant. And, and that's one of the things that we've always tried to be on the forefront of that. I mean, that's just, just who we are. We want to be forward thinking. We want to come up with a grand idea and try to implement it. I mean, that's what we spend multiple days a week talking about those things, obviously, uh, you know that. So um, we, we're, we're always on that, on that plane. And when you're in some organizations, larger organizations that there, you can't be as nimble. Um, and, you know, there's things that you have to take into consideration, compliance, Who's going to be doing what oversight of, you know, for us, a few people versus 3000, it's completely different circumstance. So, um, you know, for us, I think that we're, we were in a good position to be able to do that. Uh, And then technology, obviously advances in technology have really helped um, enhance the offering that even human advisors, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about online platforms, robos, things of that nature, but I think that it, we've even enhanced the value that we can bring as human advisors to our clients by just leveraging and using and making a small, well, it's not a small investment, but making an investment in technology and making sure that we're constantly bringing and adding value to every person's life, you know, that we cross paths with, that they decide to engage with us or not. You know, we're out, we're out to educate and we're out to continue to help, you know, advance the community through financial education, whether that's a client of ours or doing, you know, free financial education classes for companies or nonprofits or things like that. We do all kinds of great stuff. So with that, and and that's a big part of our mission. And, uh, and we found that 
it translates really well. I mean, having that educator's mindset going into work with a client is there's always seems to be a higher rate of success versus a I'm an industry expert. Listen to what I have to say. Do what I tell you, and you'll be good to go. And you know that that again just ties back into our personal process. And I think it all again, you know, just to wrap that part up, it all sounds like common sense, but for whatever reason, like there's not very many people that do it. Uh, just being honest, and we have a lot of clients that are very appreciative of that. And I, you know, the hope is that part of our disruption of this industry is that we can get more people to do that kind of stuff. I mean, we're we're breeding potential competition by saying that, but the reality is that if we have people around us and other firms and in this area that are better, it makes all of us better. Breeds competition, makes us have to continue to advance and get better. And ultimately the benefactor of that or the beneficiary of that, excuse me, is the consumer and the investor. And so that's what's important to us. And that's why we do what we do. Completely agree, Ryan. I, I just think back, to when we first started, like the stacks of papers that we had to have clients sign, how, <laughs> how technology has evolved over just the, just the last eight, nine talk, years. It's talk like, about hand filling them out too, not even fillable PDFs. And, and, and it really hampered our ability to go, you know, we have clients in California across the country, you know, multiple clients and, um, around around the country. And it's just, it, it hampered your ability to do that. Now we have Zoom and DocuSign, all those things that just make it so much easier for business. It's just sure. amazing what, what technology has done in a short period of time in this industry. But um, well, thanks everybody. We really appreciate you as always listening today. Hope you enjoyed learning a little more about State and Walsh, the reasons that we started, um, and our vision to kind of just disrupt this industry. Um, so make sure you subscribe below on either Spotify or iTunes, and talk soon, everybody. Have a great week. Awesome. Thanks.